Hello and welcome to Shh, Don't Tell My Mom, a web series filmed by islandoftaboo.com. I am Alexander Scatino, the host and the director of the islandoftaboo.com. And now joining us from the Sunshine Coast, Australia, Anita Navaf. And she is a pop erotic artist. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, Anita, or tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, hi everyone, I'm Anita. So, I live on the beautiful Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia, and I have been a paparotic artist for at least 20 years. And how I got into this was um, this creative expression of mine was growing up in, in a religious environment and then coming out of that and because of my uh, being oppressed sexually uh, and being very creative, expressing everything through my art. So. I generally, my theme behind my work is sexual empowerment and it's to inspire others to just be able to express themselves and be themselves. So I work for private and corporate clients and pretty much guarantee that my pieces will spice up any space and be a bit of a talking point. So it's a bit of fun as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, it said on your site that you travel quite a bit with uh, different big groups. Could you... Could you uh, speak into that and speak into that experience. Yeah, sure. So I like to um, do smaller exhibitions where I just do solo shows and, but I also do a bigger exhibition. So I might go to a Sexpo event and you know, I was a resident erotic artist at, at one of those in Australia for 20, oh, sorry, 20 years, two years. And I mean, you get at least sort of 40,000 people through the door. So, you know, kink festivals, Mardi Gras, so mm. it's, it's great to reach a wider audience and just see, you know, the, I love the dynamics of it all and, you know, how exciting everything is. So good to have my art involved in big things like that, as well as the smaller shows. Are you seeing uh, your inspiration from the people that you're meeting or is it an internal inspiration? It's actually both. So a lot of people that I have painted already are people that I've met along the journey. And, you know, some of them might come up to me and say, hey, can you paint me? Or I've followed their journey maybe on social media and I'm quite inspired by what they do. Something just speaks to me. It, it could also be that I'm flicking through a magazine and I see somebody in there and I think, oh, it, you know, that's hot. I want to paint that. Mm -hmm. So it comes from a variety of areas. But I do really love that personal connection. So if I, I do meet somebody, for instance, Bombshell behind me on this side, the yellow one, I actually mm -hmm. met her and she was performing at a Sexpo event and she came up and asked me to paint her. So, you know, that connection in reality is, blows my mind. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. And these are hand painted pieces because when I was looking at them, I'm like, are these digital? Because the backgrounds are so crisp uh, or uh, so maybe a two part question. Um, it looks like they are digital. And if I'm assuming that, then these canvases must be really large for you to get those sort of those shapes to look so regular. Talk about that. For yes. a the process <laughs> yeah. of creating. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because a lot of people assume that my work is digital, especially when you see it on the internet, because my I'm so OCD about my clean lines. You know, I'm not one of these painters that just slaps shit all over the canvas and, mm -hmm. and I can make something out of it. I will actually sit there for hours and every, everything is a perfect line. 
And so when people see that in an image, it comes across as if it is digital. And it's not until somebody turns up at a show or they see it in the flesh and they're quite blown away that it is actually hand painted. So I do like to do them big, yes. I've always been like that, bigger is better. I just have never been into doing your small pieces. It doesn't do it for me. So I like it to really pop and make a, a massive statement. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I was really assuming it was digital until I started looking at your Instagram and there were a few stills of you uh, creating in the middle of creating the piece with the, ga the gas mask on. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Do you create any um, time-lapse videos of you creating this stuff? Would you believe I actually had 15 years worth of amazing footage and... I had a computer crash, my hard drive died, and I lost absolutely everything. <laughs> I know, rookie mistake, no backup. And so I've actually been fighting my way back to now, you know, with my new pieces that I'm creating, now doing more footage and photos. So sadly on my social media, I'm lacking in that because I just, I just don't have it anymore. Uh, and I can't get it back with these pieces that I've already created. So... So from yeah. here on in, there will be a bit more of that, which will, I think will help people understand that it is actually done all by hand. Well, yeah, and I think as a consumer, um, there's a little naivete around how long things take and yes. the price, that, that relative to the price or relative to the skill level, uh, because sometimes things that I see look like they take a really long time and the artist is cranking these suckers out in like 20 minutes because they have a, a technique. And sometimes it's taking far longer because of these the detailed work. Uh, how long does, uh, I guess you would have to say how large a picture or a painting would be, uh, and then how long that would take you uh, with your current skill level. Yeah, look, I've probably, I, I usually like to start the smallest piece is around a meter by a meter. Occasionally mm -hmm. I do smaller than that, but very rare. And then I go up to sort of two meters, around the two meter mark, two meters by two meters, or two meters tall, you know, meter 20 wide. Mm -hmm. And look, that can take me, depending, like the tattooed one behind me took a, took a while because by the time I drew it out from, you know, the image that I was given and then got every tattoo in place and then painted it. So every, every layer or every color has about six layers, some of those. So it's like repainting it six times to get that depth as well. Mm. So look, it can take me a month minimum for a metre by metre. It can take me up to three months for like your larger pieces. So, so sometimes I wish that I was just one of these painters that was slapping stuff yeah. all over the place and something appeared because, mm -hmm. it, but whereas when it's so fine, like I'll actually go and correct every millimetre. That's just my OCD. If something's out of whack, I, I can't leave it. I have to, I have to mm -hmm. touch it up. But that's the beauty of the final piece, isn't it? It's just yeah. that, that crisp, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm currently trying to get up on the creation and the social and trying to get that awareness. And the difficulty that I saw when I was creating for myself is, oh, I got to set up a camera over here. I got to set up a camera over there to try to get the angles of me creating this piece so I could have enough sort of micro content to, to have people be aware of it because there's so much creation going on right now. Um, 
something like this is nice because it's I'm only creating the social stuff and I'm talking to you and and it's all set up for me to chop it up and create enough eyes on to start being exposed to people I guess um, and I forget where I was going with that we were talking about how long things took and I want to know do you slip in do you see yourself where time is meaningless or you slip into a flow state when you're creating that sort of um, th that makes time slow down or speed up Does, do you see yourself being affected by that yeah I do actually I go into a bit of a zen state once I start and I can be painting like sometimes I don't even sleep I'll start in the morning I'll go right through the night and then I'll be the sun will be coming up the next day and it feels like I've only been up for a couple of hours because I'm just I'm in the zone mm -hmm. and I love that I love when I can keep going things flow and it's almost like I don't even think about what I'm doing it just it just happens mm. that's that's magic so if I experience that that's that's utopia <laughs> and often you know I have to be in the space like there has to be nothing else going on around me I you know I find if I have to be conscious of that I'm filming myself for social media or things like that, I can't get into that state mm. because I'm trying to find, you know, I'm trying to control everything else around me. So when I can just paint, that's magic. Yeah, lovely. And that state is this spiritual state. And I've read this book called The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. Have you ever read that book? No, I haven't actually. No, that is a book. Uh, from Deepak Chopra, so he's pretty neat. And one of the seven laws is to find your dharma state, like the sixth law, I think. Anyways, and it's always an interesting question when I ask an artist because most artists create in this state of time distortion, this time distortion state, and that is, in his book, is the calling of your purpose in life. Uh, what do you think about that? Have you ever experienced a lot of other artists? I'm sure you're exposed to do, do any of them express that that state? Yeah, definitely. I experience that state all the time. It's um, feel the calling. I mean, even if you know, even if I would have moments where I go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm done. This is too hard. Um, you know, it's, it's hard work being an artist. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I always come back to it. The calling is always there. It's something that's in me. And I even remember it as a child, my first memories of being creative and coloring in and everything about me now was always there. So it's just a part of your being or well, it's part of my being. I definitely feel it. Yes. And, and mm. that is this, this spiritual calling that I also see um, the self-expression. Do you have uh, any form of spiritualized or spirituality that's written down or is it all internal? I know you just mentioned Zen, like getting into that Zen state. Is that something that you look into? I do read a lot of books on spirituality and psychology and laws of attraction. You know, I've got a, stack of books next to my bed like this and you know, I'm always finding new things but look for me I think as much as I gain from all of that it's something that is just internal with me like I don't have anything written down as much as I'm absorbing things I just feel that 
it's there. It's part of me. I can almost feel that vibration mm-hmm. in my body. Yeah. And look, it's interesting because I didn't come into that until, as I was saying briefly before, I grew up in a quite a religious cult, you know, experience, very oppressed, very repressed. And so I didn't tap into that sort of thing until I had left that environment. So, you know, it was quite interesting to me to, to come alive and actually feel that, that part that had been repressed before. Yes, I, I know mm. in my own experience that being in an intense religious structure gives me <clears throat> a fortitude and an ability to easily digest hard or difficult topics um, abstract. Coming from a space of being in a, in a, a very religious and background allows me to absorb extremely ac- abstract ideas and try new ones on. Like constantly I put on different spirituality um, practices and I can put them on and try them out for a long period of time and release them. And it's easy to uh, in absorb and release these things. Um, do you, so with spirituality, we were just talking about spirituality and you brought in psychology, which in my mind brings up a personal philosophy and you're creating this, these philosophical ideas. Do you have any, uh, insight into a philosophy that you may be using or things that you live by phrases or ideas yeah look my my philosophy in general is love and acceptance i think that there's so much hate in the world and so much judgment and bias that my philosophy is just fucking be kind to people and you know just accept others others differences whether that's you know especially in the, the sexuality space i just coming again from that repressed environment not being able to express or be who you are so just go forth with love i think that's that's my that spiritually that's where i feel i'm at it's all about the love and acceptance yeah love and acceptance i well, i have a quite a few different philosophies that i pull from uh, and my personal vision for the world is a world where people are authentic and accept other people's authentic selves. This cyclical, when I am authentic, it allows people the permission to be authentic. And that display and that creating that cyclical um, nature of I'm creating authenticity and someone else seeing that authenticity and giving them the strength to become that authentic self I feel like current in our current situation, sort of past the COVID and into this uh, Black Lives Matters movement, or re-black, I mean re-into it, and another expression of that comes from this uh, inability to be their authentic selves. Like you can't express yourself authentically. Um, and that repression causes this distress. What do you think? And, and you were already talking about authenticity or being yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. When you're oppressed, like the stress and anxiety, your mental health suffers, 
it's not good for the consciousness of the planet if everybody's feeling like that. So I think stepping into that authenticity and and especially in inspiring people through like I find if I can inspire people through my story and through my creative expression to stand up and be proud and you know that's I've won. So it, for me, it's not really about selling art. It's about what can my art give back to society? What what value can it give to somebody to empower them? So and it's I speak through the the sexual empowerment realm because that was my experience. That my main experience was suffering trauma and judgment from that and mm. so that automatically because i am an artist i was born an artist that automatically comes out through my work so that's how that's the voice i hope to give to people and open conversations about it i think everybody deserves a basic human right to just be their authentic self of of course it, it's it's funny when you say it it becomes this yeah of course people uh, should be able to do that. And then there's that disconnect between what should be happening or this internal knowledge or this one knowledge, the love and loving everyone else um, has a hard time being expressed and expressed because you need to put on all these different masks for different people. I myself, have a mask and the show is the mask and the mask is Shh, don't tell my mom because I don't want my mother to know where I'm coming from and, and it being exposed to. And even if I didn't do anything in this realm, just the exposure to this realm would freak her out. Um, and it is a taboo subject. It's like um, everyone's secret is that they watch porn. It's a fucking, it's stupid. How can, like, everybody has the same secret. Why is it that way? What, what, what do you have uh, to say about this oppressed state of, of non-expression? And look, I totally agree with you about my mum as well. You know, I was, I'm actually writing an autobiography about my journey with the hopes of inspiring people. And the first thing I, you know, I still suffer with putting on the mask as much as I speak about this stuff. We all have those times where we sort of back off. And I remember saying to mum, this is, you cannot read this. Like she, she would not cope with this at all. She'd probably need therapy. So it's sad that, that we have to do that. And you know, it would be nice in an ideal world to not have to do that with anybody, but that's just not reality. So, um, I forget where we were going with that too. Oh yeah, but, I, I guess yeah. we were having a conversation. I was gonna say yeah, yeah. about like reality is what we make. Yeah. We're it making is. it right now. We're we're uh, at the edge. We are at the forefront of the next movement. I think the the sex positive movement coming behind the LGBTQ movement. And I hope so. And I don't know, uh, because I was kind of betting on that, that that was the <laughs> next thing to come in. And, and, it, and it may very well be, uh, what do you think of that? What do you think about movements and we're in, in the progression of the world as a whole? Look, I think we're definitely further ahead than what we were. It's, we've still got a long way to go. I, where I get frustrated is that, 
you know, obviously there's a lot more people getting on board and acceptance is, is a lot more than back in, in the day. But there's still so much censorship and bias. And I think we're really, we're going to have a fight ahead of us. So I think we've just got to keep, you know, with artists, musicians, whoever, um, you know, you're, what you're doing, if we could just keep raising awareness, opening conversations and, and, and hopefully people will, their voices will be heard and things will get better as time goes on. But yeah, it's, a, it's not an easy fight, that's for sure. But we're not yeah. giving up. Yeah, it's the battle, it's the <laughs> battle for authenticity. I, I, I like to think about um, Pink Floyd, The Wall sometimes and seeing the battle for authenticity there where they're in their classroom and in their individuals. And then they come into the machine and the machine makes them faceless to become a number. And it's been the artist's struggle to create the knowledge in the conversation to, to wake people up to an idea. And the idea is that would you like to be comfortable and faceless or uncomfortable in who and express who you are? And that I think is this question that, that moves throughout artist moves throughout art and, and culture. Um, Definitely. Yeah. It yeah. sort of just hit me there. It felt really nice <laughs> to say. I don't know, shooting yeah. my own horn over here of, of whatever. <laughs> my my own personal little weird way of of justifying my actions. Like yeah. I have an action, right? My action is raising awareness and your action is raising awareness. Um, and I got to justify that because the subject matter is, is taboo. It's hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult to talk about. And when I talk to people about it, it's like a, like you're pulling the cork off of a bottle and it just starts flowing out. Have you experienced that when you say, like you meet a new person, they don't meet you in um, a fetish convention in life and they go, uh, what do you do? And you're like, I'm an artist. And it's like, can I see your work? And, they and you show them this. Do you ever see them like getting the permission to start speaking into themselves and like who they are? It's actually very interesting because there's so much difference in, and you never know what to expect from people, but you know, some will really love it and they just, you know, you could talk for days on the subject, see others and they just, it, it's like a wall goes up and they, they can't, they're either repulsed by it or, you know, they just repressed and they, they just can't enter in conversation. But I think it's really interesting when you, that conversation is open. So if somebody is feeling uncomfortable and yet you can have a conversation about it, you can see their mind ticking over. So it opens doors for them and it might be just a little seed planted, but that's all you need. So, I mean, the ones that are converted, they're converted. They're with you all the way, you know, they're mm. shouting from the rooftops. It's the others that, you know, want to say something that can't. I mean, even if they're totally opposed to it, I just, I welcome that as well because it's still giving them something to think about. Who knows? You know, they might somewhere down the track um, have a change of heart and think back to a conversation or an event. So it's planting seeds. That's what mm -hmm. I feel is, is the best. Yeah, people are all on their own rung of the ladder. I, I think about 
some leadership training stuff that I've done where you're doing a ropes course, you got to trust people. And um, some people make it halfway up the ladder. And that was like the biggest move that they ever made in their life. How could this have even happened in, uh, in an afternoon? Amazing. Ground, earth shattering. And other people are running up the pole and jumping off of it with like nothing because they have that trust already. And the, sometimes that disconnect between the person who runs up the pole and the person who goes up halfway up the ladder. That kind of like wanting to push people up that ladder to get them to where they should be. But, um, and, and being the stand for the person who is halfway up the ladder and going, hey, this is enough. Um, and, and I think all of that has a lot to do with the BDSM culture because of this trust in the cultivation of trust inside of these relationships. Do you have um, a current relationship that you're in or any sort of insight into relationships inside the sex positive or BDSM culture? I'm, I'm currently not in a relationship at the moment by choice. I prefer to do my own thing and, and focus on my art. Um, look, I think relationships are important. That like we all need, we all need connection, you know. And especially in sexual relationships, I don't really have any beliefs or, you know, of what it should be. I, you know, I just think whatever floats your boat. You know, mm -hmm. if it, if that aligns with you, go for it. it. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I mean, if you're into, you know, BDSM, if you're into polyamory, like if it, if you're gay, like. Honestly, just do what what feels right for you. So, for me, you know, look, growing up as I did, I was always, you know, all of those subjects, they were taboo, you know, they were scary. And, and I had a lot of biases and judgments myself growing up in religion. And it, it took me a while to actually see when I was, when I had removed myself from that environment and to actually watch people in their relationships and the differences and, and to really see the love and respect that were, especially as you're saying, the BDSM, you know, I used to think that were just a bunch of sickos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what the hell's going on here? That was, mm -hmm. that was scary stuff. And having been involved, you know, going, exhibiting at kink festivals and going to the, you know, underground parties and actually watching the dynamics of this scene it's actually yeah it blows my mind that it's 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 so respectful and like mm. I say the trust and so I think you know if that's your thing go for it as the respect and trust should be there whether it's BDSM or whether it's anything else yes for sure and mm. the ability that we have to change our minds about things is something um, I want to always re-establish and, and when I'm creating these conversations is the ability to be authentic and authentic doesn't mean uh, will always be the same. Authentic is this journey that you're on of self-discovery and, cre and create and, 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 and in the moment of self-discovery, you can make a shift at any moment. Um, if you're into one thing and then you want to be into something else, don't let a, uh, a fear of losing your community stop you from uh, being authentic because then you become the thing that you were trying not to become. 
I, and I and I see a little bit of that out there. Uh, yeah, and self discovery is a beautiful thing. It's um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so yeah. when you start tapping into things, it's so this is what I love. It's all learning, and life is you know lessons and new experiences and new adventures. And I just I think that's fantastic. There's so much that you gain from that, and so much like you grow as a person and you see the world and it's, you see three people see people through different eyes. So, man, it's a it's a beautiful thing when you know. I think when you're closed off, when you're repressed, or when you you know you're biased and you have those judgments, you're not living to your full potential. It's actually, I don't think it's good for your health or your mental health. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Every day that the struggle to want to conform and be safe and secure is there. Like the knowledge that, uh, and the bravery to go for authenticity and self-development is something to all, to encourage. And when you see people in that, in that self-discovery to encourage those people as well uh, because it is not easy no matter what the mask they wear or the or the day that they have a good day or and you see this guy always having a good day or this woman always having a good day um, to remember yeah. that it is a battle it's like an internal battle to not go back and and uh and settle and be comfortable and yeah. that is something that I'd like people to strive for. Yeah, and actually in, saying, in you saying that, I had an experience recently where I was exhibiting at a uh, Mardi Gras in Sydney and there was a young boy that came up to my booth and he just, he was a gorgeous young thing and he had his fishnet tights on and you know, he came up and was having a chat to me, he was quite shy. And I just looked down and happened to say to him, I love your tights, like you look amazing. And he, he's, face just lit up and he had said to me he said you know he said I was so nervous he said I hopped on the bus like this and I've never done this before it's the first time you know I've never worn these out in public and he was so inspired just from yeah so I, I didn't know his history but that encouragement and that that tapped into something for him so I think if we if we encourage others and inspire others, the potential is huge to make a difference. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So we talked a lot through all of the subjects that I wanted to talk about and and I like to save this subject um, of what was the first moment that you could remember being a sexual being and being aware of your sexuality. And this is something that could be a real life event or um, a cartoon that you watched or a movie that you saw or a song that you heard, some, or a piece of art, a piece of uh, visual art that you saw that sort of got you to think that there was something more to being a human than toys and candy and stuff like that. Yeah. Look, I, I always was in tune with my sexuality from a very young age. I just didn't understand it or I didn't understand myself. And especially being 
very repressed and things were, it was blocked. So if any anything came up, it was automatically squashed and there was fear and shame and guilt and all of that that went along with it. I think when I really tapped into the power and owned it was from an image I saw, I actually attended an exhibition with a fetish photographer. This is many, many years ago now. And um, this was before I actually started painting all my sexual work. Before that, I was doing stuff that was non-sexual. And I saw an image of his and it was a BDSM. It was a couple of girls um, it, and it just spoke to me and something came alive in me and I actually started to tap into who I was and, and I felt that sexual power. And from there, I actually went on to do a fetish shoot with him and, you know, it, it, it started the journey for me. So I always remember that, I always remember meeting him, seeing his imagery, doing that shoot with him and, and sending me off on this tangent. It was very powerful. Beautiful, yeah. The, the guide, mm -hmm. it was like the white rabbit in, in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yes. All the rabbit and now Indeed. you're going down the hole. <laughs> that, going, I went down the hole, all right. <laughs> flip and fell down the hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that is basically the conclusion of the show. You've been talking for about a half an hour, which is, I think, perfect for our viewers. Uh, do you have any final remarks or plugs that you'd like to uh, express in this time uh, before we call a conclusion to the episode? Look, I just want to encourage everybody to just be themselves, express themselves and, you know, own that beauty that is your sexuality. It's, it's an amazing thing. And look, it's, you know, it's for everybody, for, the, for yourself, for the consciousness of the planet, just own it really. And don't be scared of shame, judgment, fear, just work through it. And there's beauty on the other side. And look, for anybody that's interested in, you know, having some sexy art in their home, definitely give me a call. I do have, you know, check out my website. I do do private commissions, corporate, you name it. And I'd love to be involved in, in anybody, like within the gay community, kink community, even straight communities, like anything around sexual empowerment. I love to be involved and help people. So yeah, check out my website. Um, I'll be writing a book about it soon and doing a documentary. So come on board and join the journey. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Join the journey. That sounds like a great tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take that. Uh, oh, my name, <laughs> uh, and my name is Alexander Scatino. I am the director of the Island of Taboo, a new website uh, all around sexuality, uh, sex positive, BDSM, fringe culture. I want to do some stuff with uh, cosplay and J-pop too. I love that stuff. And I really want to get uh, male makeup. Uh, so that's probably another next step for me is trying to find some people who are making some male makeup and start talking to those people. Um, that's it. That's all I have. This was, shh, don't tell my mom. Uh, and Thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful day and have fun. <laughs>